Welcome to the Powerful Marketing Tips Podcast, created for overwhelmed business owners who want to build, run, and organize their marketing for good. And here's a brief overview of our guest. Want to improve your customer retention? We all do, right? So we're in the right place because today's guest is an expert in customer acquisition and retention. Need I say more? Tim Peniston Bird has been working in the industry for 32 years and has put together successful strategies to drive acquisition and retention for some of the world's leading brands, including AIG Life, BMW, GE, Gucci, Hugo Boss, Orange, and Wella, just to name a few. Together with his company, Orangutan, Tim's mission is to create extraordinary long-term growth for extraordinary companies like yours. So let's go. Having a great product or service is not enough, especially in today's world where everybody is competing for our attention. And in my opinion, one of the biggest pitfalls for businesses, I would even say across the globe, is the thought of focusing more on retaining new leads rather than growing those relationships with existing ones. And that is why in today's episode, we are going to talk about improving customer experience. And I can't really wait to hear those great examples on how to unleash this extraordinary growth through customer retention. Welcome to our podcast, Tim. Thank you, Marilise. So good to have you here. So please share with our listeners, maybe very quickly, something about yourself, who you are, what you do, and whom are you helping today? Okay, so um, I've been in marketing for coming on for 13 years, uh, which is very scary realization, um, and set up Orangutan in um, 1990, and then spread out a separate company in 1994. Uh, we tend to specialize in helping businesses to grow their profits and sales through retention programs, sales um, incentives, and referral marketing programs mm -hmm. because those tend to be the things that are most likely to get increased profits for them and can be directly linked to cost to results, which is something that we find works. Um, we put together successful strategies for household names such as Hugo Boss, Gucci, um, Ford, Honda, um, Microsoft, a load of the banks, so it's a pretty well any household name you're likely to have heard of. We've probably ended up doing a successful <laughs> program for them in the past. Um, and recently, we've also wow, started focusing more on SMEs as well. Wow, you, that's amazing, you know, working with those big friends, really. And... Um, I know you have some great expertise over decades, and I am really excited today because I know you have uh, great examples uh, about customer retention programs. But I'd like to start maybe with understanding first, what could customer relationships even mean to you? It should be seen as a partnership and not transactional. So... One of the big problems that a lot of businesses have shifted to is they've kind of been run by accountants where they see customers and 
the transitions is a bit of a commodity and they want to make it cheaper and cheaper and cheaper for them. So um, you end up with less service, etc. And the problem is that actually people buy a service, they buy trust and they buy relationships. There is no point going to your local pub and spending five to, five to eight times more for a drink there if you're going to get a bad experience, a less enjoyable drink, um, and ignored by the bar staff. It's, you can buy online much more easily, but actually what you really want to do is to go to a local business where you trust the opinion of the person that's helping you. You know they're expert. They, you know that if you're buying some clothes off them, they won't send you out of the store looking like an idiot. Your friends will laugh at you for months to come. And it's that experience mm -hmm. and relationship bit that is so key to driving a business forward and, and wanting customers to stay with you. And that's kind of what we are always mm -hmm. trying to focus on and trying to make what is effectively a win-win partnership. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love how you put it, you know, service, trust, and relationships, right? So to hear how our clients talk about our company, I think that's the greatest thing that can happen, right? And pretty much that's obvious, but could you share those payoffs, you know, how, how those overwhelmed business owners can really benefit from, uh, from it's doing that, from really building those relationships. Scary when you look at the figures. Um, it's <laughs> for every 5% that you can improve retention of customers, you will increase your profits by about 20% on average. Um, mm -hmm. a existing customer costs about one twentieth to sell to than getting a new customer. Um, mm -hmm. Existing mm -hmm. customers are five times more likely to buy again. They're also mm -hmm. four times more likely to recommend you to their friends and colleagues and get them to come to you. So that's a referral system. Mm -hmm. They're actually also five times more likely to forgive a mistake because they do realise, customers do understand that sometimes things do go wrong and you're much mm -hmm. more likely to forgive a business that you know and trust than one that you're just trying out for the first time or haven't tried up yet. Um, and you're also seven times more likely to try new things. So if you, let's say you're going into a hairdresser and they suggest, did you know we've got a beautician, would you like to give them a go? You're seven times more likely as an existing customer to give that a go than um, trying to go out to fresh customers for that beautician service. So there's real, mm -hmm. real gains mm -hmm. to be had. Um, and we have regularly hit 40 to 67% increases in sales and profitability from putting a decent program in place. Mm-hmm, mm hmm So those are scary numbers, as you said. And from the you know, researches I have, you know, come across during my marketing um uh, years, I would say, uh, we all know that it's seven times more costly to bring on new leads, you know, compared to working with your current relationships. Yeah. So there are many benefits, right? Absolutely. Okay. So I know, I know, Tim, you have some great uh, examples from different industries. Let's go over some of them, you know, because 
if you think for a second, our listeners are mostly B2B small business owners. So can you bring some examples on how you have helped companies build those customer retention programs and and what has been the, the results? Sure. Um, so, for example, um, we did some work with HP Compaq, which is the, the huge computer company. Um, but actually what we were working with was the channel that was selling through SMEs, so the much smaller companies that are then selling out to independent businesses or retailers, so the things you see in the high street. Um, and mm-hmm. what we did was that we helped them to start creating a better customer service for their service and to help them to grow. The net result on that was that we achieved a 67% increase in sales for all of those businesses and therefore for HP Compact a share of it. And the return on investment was for every pound spent, they got £400 in extra profit back. So, well worth it from their perspective. That's a lot of money. Um, Another one we've we've done is um, we were working with G-Money, who are a finance company, but for home improvements. Mm -hmm. Um, And... Again, on home improvements, there's always a strong correlation between those and finance because we can't all afford to bone a new conservatory on and pay cash for it or something like that. So generally, in Mm -hmm. I believe it's about 90% of cases, we go out and get a loan to be able to pay for those home improvements. If we can Mm -hmm. get them into a steady plan that is direct through whoever's providing those home improvements, you've then got an opportunity to keep on going back to them saying, you had a conservatory, do you want to get your windows updated to match? Do you want to have a garden building or a garden office or something like that? And it makes it very Mm -hmm. easy for people because they've got an ongoing relationship with you. And also, um, you know, it's just a matter of saying, you can do that and only cost an extra X pounds per month. So in this particular one, what we were doing was working with a a double glazing stroke conservatory company. Um, In terms of the finance retention and how long people stayed within that agreement, we increased that by 42%. Um, So quite substantial. Um, Mm -hmm. We also, by putting a platform in place helped the salespeople to convert about 4% more, which doesn't sound a lot, but they were already hitting 92% conversion at point of sale. <laughs> but the problem was that was they were selling in 92% of cases because we've all had them. They come into your house, they bore you senseless for three hours until you finally sign the agreement. And then in mm-hmm. two-thirds of the cases, they'll then pick up the phone the following day and cancel it. What we also managed to do was to reduce cancellations by a third. So we effectively doubled their sales. The dash has stayed on the books. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, another one that's quite interesting, wow. it's again one of my pet loves, is trying to get people into a reoccurring income model. So a classic example of this is you can go to Alton Towers or Thor Park or Legoland and it costs you £40 for a ticket and they'll stay on the day for only mm-hmm. another 60, 70 pounds. You can have an annual pass where you come in every single day or as much as you like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And 
the more that we can shift things to make it very easy where someone's paying direct debit to get your services, the easier it is to upsell them and also the greater satisfaction because each time we go and engage and use something, we get a nice spark, we feel good about it, and each time we get a bill, we, we don't feel mm-hmm. quite happy about it. Whereas if it's an ongoing <laughs> payment plan, then you're, you'll, have, you'll forget about the nasty bits and enjoy the, the good bits. So mm-hmm. one of the examples mm-hmm. here is we're working with a London nightclub promoter, and the average number – so they ran a – um, an average of about 30 nights in top clubs across London. And these are the ones where we're mm-hmm. generally talking about so slightly more middle-aged people. Um, they will book a booth. They will pay about £200 for a bottle of Jack Daniels to sit on the table, etc. So it's, we're not talking about sort of your local disco. Um, and on average... <laughs> They were, and you are talking about pre-COVID periods, right? Pre-COVID, yes. Yeah, yeah of obviously course. at the moment there's been next to nothing in terms of attention for nightclubs. But on average, they were visiting <laughs> about, well, they were going out to nightclubs um, 2.7 times a week, but they were only going to these particular promoters one time, 1.2 times a month. So what we did was mm-hmm. that we said, okay, well, rather than charge them £15 and spamming them to say, we've got this night, we've got this night, we've got this night, book in and pay £15, let's set up a subscription where they pay £37 a month. They can get into every single night, one of your nights completely free. They can also, they've got VIP access, so they can walk past the queue with their friends and get straight in without having to queue. Um, and then what we also did was built up a load of other perks. So they could also use their membership card to get them into new cinemas. They got 25% off all the top health mm-hmm. clubs. Um, they got discounts on sort of fine dining and eating out and all that sort of side, or if they needed a, a car. Um, we gave them invites to all of the sample sales where the top fashion retailers tend to have a, a sell-off of the ones, the one-off designs that they've had made to see if they want to build them. So actually you can get outfits for next to nothing that you literally can, can never buy anywhere ever again, um, which again is <laughs> a real hot information. And so then we sort of built into a free holiday when you signed up and free perks as you went through the year. Mm-hmm. The net result was that they increased the number of visits per member by 275%. Each one of those wow. brought an average of five guests that paid the full price. Mm-hmm. So, and then obviously each of them were then buying bottles of Jack Daniels, etc., a vast amount. So, the overall revenue was quite incredible. I mean, it literally mm-hmm. was an investment of thousands. Um, I. I love those stories, but let's talk about a little bit about the timeline here. How long it takes for, I don't know, approximately to build those programs? Because I hear those are very different. Of course, companies are different. And how it really looks like, let's imagine that there is somebody listening to us right now thinking, okay, I'd like to build something, you know, some kind of program for my clients. How, how it really looks like, how much time you should consider it takes? 
Ideally, you would allow six to eight weeks, or up to two months. And that's because you want to spend mm -hmm. a little bit, bit of time actually going and speaking to customers, speaking to your staff, trying to work out how you can make things mm -hmm. better. Um, so trying to work out what behaviours you want to change and how you want it to be different going forwards. Um, mm -hmm. In terms of, I mean, obviously, if you want to go out and set, sign up third-party benefits, that could take two, three years. But assuming you're going to... Mm -hmm a benefit provider, an award provider, and someone with the technology, which are all readily available, you can get that side of it up and running for, for as little as two weeks. But it's actually making okay. sure that then all of your team are fully behind the, the program. You've trained them so that they are building it into mm -hmm. all of the conversations and that actually they are committed to what I call giving key moments of truth. Um, so mm -hmm. it was a concept that was brought out from a guy that was running SAS Airlines um, quite a few years ago. And when he looked at it, he said every single time that a customer engages with one of our people, one of our systems, they will go into it with a, con with a preconception of what they thought of us. Um, you know, oh, mm -hmm. they're bad. You know, so Ryanair, you typically go into it going, it's going to be an awful, awful experience, but it was cheap. <laughs> and therefore, actually, the satisfaction of Ryanair is quite good because it's never as bad as you think it will be. Um, <laughs> That's but, good. That's good. You are always, uh, you know, people are, um, people are getting more than yeah. expected. Um, right? So each time they interact, that interaction can either positively or negatively reinforce that perception. So either they go up in your in customer's estimations mm -hmm. or you go down in customer's estimation. And so if you can make sure that, and, and what he found was that when people went to book a ticket, it was a great experience, you went up a little bit. Then you went to check in, there wasn't a huge queue. People dealt with you courteously, they remembered your name, they smiled at you, just simple things like that. And again, it went up. And each of these touch points are equally as important in, and often actually more so than whether you're getting your free drinks, your extra luggage supply, et cetera, et cetera. Because it's those human interactions that actually make us or make it different and, and make it a, a nice or nasty experience. Because other than that, no, they're all pretty well the same place. Mm -hmm. They're pretty well all the same check-in desks. Um, and <laughs> so... It is the experience, it's the people that, that makes the massive difference. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I assume that, of course, it uh, requires also a certain consistency. You know, if you build some program, it should be there and all the Absolutely. time. Right? Um, and consistent from every member of staff and from for each customer. I mean, again, I was chatting to mm -hmm. one company out in Ireland, and they had done a load of customer service training. And what they did was that they taught them what they needed to do, but they didn't make it a habit, so they didn't practice it enough. So the net result was that mm -hmm. the members of staff were remembering it when they were customers they liked and not for customers they didn't know or they didn't like. So it was actually even worse, because I'd be stood in a queue, and I'd watch the person in front of me being, mm -hmm. they were absolutely delightful to me, and doing everything I possibly want, and then I'd get up to them, because they didn't know me, I'd kind of like the computer says, no, yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, 
And so you go, what's wrong with me? <laughs> That's a very good one. So do you have any other like examples uh, about the customer retention programs that haven't been successful? Really? Yeah. I mean, Why? we did a very interesting one, literally um, during the first half of COVID as a pilot, and we're just about to roll it out. And mm-hmm. we were asked by a housing association. So um, they are the organisation that have taken over what used to be our local government-owned housing that is then rented out as affordable mm-hmm. housing. And they wanted to make customers feel valued and feel like customers rather than tenants. Um, but they also mm-hmm. they do have issues that 10% of their customers move out every year and it costs them about six and a half thousand pounds to refurb the place and then get the next tenant in and um, so mm-hmm. it's quite expensive mm-hmm. and then they've also got issues with regards to repairs that if you don't report them early enough then um they get worse and worse so you know if you've got a leaky pipe if you get in early you fix the leak and that's it <laughs> You need a bit longer, the ceiling's gone, a bit longer, then actually the ceiling's collapsed and the floor's mm-hmm. wet and maybe it's gone to downstairs as well. Um, so during the pilot, which lasted for nine months, um, we improved the um, churn by 90%. So we reduced it to 1% instead of 10% in terms of the customers leaving mm-hmm. um, and compared to the other areas. Uh, we improved rent arrears in terms of the amount of people that were late paying by 24%. Uh, we reduced the volume of repairs to 32%. And also, interestingly, they used to always send out surveys and emails and stuff like that. And we started doing a load of them on their behalf to the members. And our engagement on those was 16 and a half times higher than they were achieving for exactly the same wow. sort of notification. Um, so it's just a matter of and what we were doing there, and it, it was quite interesting, was trying to promote behaviours that got people to actually feel they were part of the community and the house was their home and the area was their home and they mm-hmm. should be taking pride in it. So getting them involved in things like litter picks or helping the local kids to learn to play football and getting into a team or... <laughs> doing coffee mornings for the old people, etc. So you got to know your neighbours, you got to know the community, and you, you took pride in it. Mm-hmm. That's that's a very good story, you know, about the unity. But do you have have you had any experiences with companies who who tries to build those customer retention programs, but um, it fails? What are the reasons behind? You know that. Um, there's definitely some big no-nos. So, for example, um, just recently, one of the major grocery chains had launched a big um, customer loyalty program. They'd run it for a number of years, and then they decided that they didn't mm-hmm. like the accumulated amount of points that were out there and the risk of it. So, they basically gave short notice for every single customer that they had to. They were closing it, and they were going to be opening a new one. So, they only had, I think, it was two months to be able to use up all their points. Um, And they ended up with Mm. absolute howlers across social media with all the customers complaining. And even um, Martin from Money Saving Experts started um, ripping into pieces and you definitely don't want to be on the wrong side of him. 
Um, (laughs) The main thing is that actually a lot of, everyone thinks of a customer loyalty program as giving points. And Mm -hmm. points work out at discounts. And actually what you're quite often doing is just ending up falling into the trap of just rewarding them for the purchase they're going to make anyway and not driving any new behaviours. And that might be good in a way, but actually it doesn't improve customer satisfaction. It just gives away some of your margin. And there is some research which shows that some people therefore think that they're paying too much for it anyway and they'd rather just have the cash discount. Um, So it's actually the the ones that are failing are quite often are the ones that are just throwing money at something and actually not getting any business return and not measuring business return. And obviously, certainly mm-hmm. with things like the large supermarkets, they're mostly doing it's about, they've got big data analyst things where they're watching your behavior and they're working out what triggers they need to do. Most small businesses can't afford mm-hmm. to do that sort of thing with the data. So they need to be getting much more obvious responses in terms of upselling, customer value, length of how, how long they're with, with you, et cetera. Uh, which mm-hmm. is the other key point. It's mm-hmm. really important mm-hmm. to measure it. Of course, <laughs> you have to measure things in order to understand what works and what is not working. Absolutely. So now we are on the same page here that, and we are convinced that, okay, we need to build those relationships with our clients and uh, we we should build those customer retention programs. And I, I'm sure it will give this competitive edge, I would say, in business, right? But please help us. You know, uh, give us some actionable steps. How to get started with, uh, you know, with this kind of program? If you are this small business and you're thinking right now, okay, where should I start? What is the first step? You mentioned measuring and uh, some metrics. Is that something yeah, where so we should start? Yeah, so one is to define your goal. Look at what it is that you actually want to achieve out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly. Mm-hmm. Look at what I call the hygiene factors. What do you do that annoys people, or what could you do that actually makes the experience better? Um, so, for example, mm. if you look at something like restaurants, one of the things that tends to annoy people is not being served quickly enough and not getting their bill quickly enough at the end. So, by using something like order and pay mm-hmm. applications, where they can actually start ordering immediately once they're sat down and pay when they feel like it then actually you can get rid of those issues. And just look at... Mm-hmm. Um, people don't like to be left on hold for ages or end up talking to someone that doesn't know what they're talking about in an in, Indian call centre, etc. So get rid of all of that and think, if I were a customer, how would I want to be treated? Mm-hmm. Um, as much as possible, you and your team need to show and should show your passion for them, for serving them, for helping them, whether that's to drive their business forward or whether it's to help them get new clothes or get a great haircut or whatever. Actually show you care mm-hmm. and genuinely care. Um, and that's quite often just down to a lot of, of staff training in terms of them understanding why customers come to them, what they're doing and how they're making lives different. Um, and a lot of that you can get from customer research. Because once you've actually got mm-hmm. that in place for your team and you understand that they're making a difference to people, they're much more likely to be engaged in the process. 
Um, of course. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of trying to make everything as experiential as possible. If you go to an Apple store, it's a, it's a wow experience, mm-hmm. and there's kind of all these dudes sitting around that will happily talk to you about things without trying to sell you anything. Um, and, again, what can you do to make it so if you are a fashion retailer, can you do regular fashion shows and um, preview evenings and things like that? Or can you arrange talks mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. colour and the power of colours and using, you know, why you should use blues or reds or, or whatever within within it? So kind of sharing that <laughs> bit of extra information to make people mm-hmm. feel like you, you're adding value to the process and going that one step further than mm-hmm. Amazon or something online. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got a goal... Don't think of transactions. Try and think of behaviours. What do you want to happen more often or with a customer? Do you want them to be spending more on each visit? Do you want them to be coming back more often? Do you want them to be um, staying with you longer? And therefore, look at what Mm behaviours you need from them and therefore how you're going to start building those habits and encouraging those behaviours through recognition, reward, etc. So if you want them in more often, give them excuses to come back because there'll be something unique <laughs> that they can't get on any other day. Create some degree of urgency. Mm-hmm. Um, find positive ways to keep in touch. Again, we're all dreadful at ignoring our customers. <laughs> and... We all think, oh, they're not going to want to hear from us. But actually, they do. And again, down to the experience stuff. You're sharing a bit of yourself, a bit of whatever it is that you're doing with them on a regular basis. They are going to love it. They're going to feel a lot closer to you. And that is reminding you that you're there and to to pop back in and say hi for a cup of coffee. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. As much as possible, put yourself in their shoes and think, what would I want powerful marketers to do for me. Very good example. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, in terms of rewards, start thinking much more laterally. Can they give cross-sales into other things you do? So can you use rewards to help people to try other services that you do? So I talked earlier about the haircut mm-hmm. and the manicure. Now, if you're going to reward someone mm-hmm. for coming in regularly to have their haircut why not reward them with a free manicure or pedicure or something like that? Because that way it gets them to try it, and then they'll start coming and using it regularly, so you're, again, increasing the spend. Mm-hmm. Um, likewise, who can you collaborate with? Can you get a free haircut thing from the, for to give away when, when someone spends £100 in your shop from a local hairdresser because you can cross-promote each other? Involve customers in your team. Ask them, speak to them, keep on speaking to them, keep on involving them. Ask customers whether they'd be happy to do a mystery shop once in a while or fill in a quick engagement report of what they thought of the experience because actually they've then got skin in the game of making it better. Um, As I said, build Mm -hmm. reoccurring income models so that it makes it easy for people to spend more with you and more frequently. Um, but also you can build some perks in for the customer alongside that. Um, 
And the other thing is, if you're going to do customer satisfaction, actually there is only one question you need to ask, and it's the one which has got the highest correlation between customer engagement and sales, which is, how likely are you to recommend us to your friends, family, colleagues? And if you can focus your mm -hmm. entire team on getting as many tens on that, the ten being the top, as humanly possible, ignore the ones, ignore the sixes, just you want to up that percentage of tens, because that way what you're doing is that you are focusing on making sure that every customer has a really great experience, they love you, and they actually want to recommend you and refer you to your friends, to their friends. Mm -hmm. So that's your future leads brought forward. We work very closely with Net Promoter Score, and uh, I love this question. So that's that's a great one. So you had great list here. Thank you. You know, all actionable things to uh, to consider for sure. But what I hear, you know, um, from each of those points, really, correct me if I'm wrong, of course, it's choosing quality over quantity. It's about caring and building trust, really. Yeah, right. don't throw money at it. Look at a sensible mm -hmm. solution. You know, look at caring about your customers, mm -hmm. and they'll, mm -hmm. they'll care back. No, that's great. So how would you like to wrap up this topic for us here to, to our listeners? Because I could listen to your uh, examples and everything, uh, you know, hours here, but... Um, what would you say for those people listening to us and thinking, oh, my God, I'd like to have this program. I should now t take this, um, all of those steps that Tim shared here and <laughs> start I'm, I'm, the more than I'm, I'm more than happy with the, if any of your podcast listeners want it, um, they can book in either via the Rangtang website, rangtang.co.uk, or mm -hmm. directly through my diary on uh, www.peniston-bird.co.uk for just 15-minute chat, and I can give them some pointers on what they can do with their business. And I'm more than happy to do that as free for free. Yeah, and we, thank you. And we will definitely put this link next to them next to this episode here. So before we go today, please share and comment uh, this inspirational song that goes into our Spotify list and also a quote that inspires So the song is a real hackneyed one. I, the one I love is Right Here, Right Now by Fatboy Slim because actually everything you need to do, you can strategize as much as you like, but what you really need to do is to look at what can you do to improve of this customer satisfaction now and to mm -hmm. keep on repeating that and make it urgent. <laughs> and that's what makes a difference because if you spend two years thinking about it, then you've left it too late. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of the quote, it's actually our company one, which is a bit of a cheat, but it's once a great idea is in place, the only limit is your imagination. And if you look at things like a bloke that decided he wanted to make it a little bit easier to buy books mm -hmm. a couple of decades ago that has now grown into the enormous behemoth that Amazon is mm -hmm. and that's all from that very very simple easy <laughs> and overlaying good customer service and um, and so that's kind of the, the basis that we work on is that we look at all those little nuggets and go, right, how can we use those to drive a customer's business forward?
That's great. I love this quote. And of course, I love the song you shared because I'm a big fan of 90s and <laughs> Fat Boy Slim is also uh, was one of my favorites. So Tim, again, I appreciate you taking this time for us. And thank you. Thank I appreciate you. you coming here. Thank you. That's all we've got for this episode of the Powerful Marketing Tips podcast. Make sure to link up with us at our free monthly international mastermind event. Just go to powerful-marketers.com forward slash mastermind for registration. And one thing that would really help us and other new potential listeners is if you would rate this show and leave a comment wherever you tune in to listen. Until next time, take care.